I want to jump into this word today. If you all are taking notes, I have a lot of scriptures to go over. Um, and so the title of my message is going to be The Crushing Produces New Wine. Crushing Produces New Wine. Amen. Crushing Produces New Wine. So I know we are in a, such a unique season in our church. There's been a lot of spoken and unspoken needs that has been shared. Uh, there are certain people who are waiting for answers from the Lord. They're going through certain seasons of crushing, going through certain seasons of suffering. Um, that's That could be in their physical body or it could be uh, their, a, depress- a season of depression, financial troubles, just a lot that's happening. And so I, I had another... A pastor told me last uh, last month that I was going to preach. So I had something else prepared. But the last two weeks, I felt I got the confirmation that this is what I need to be speaking. Um, and so I'm just so ready to, to get this out. So what does that mean? So the question is, the age-old question that goes to every single person is, why does good things happen to bad? I mean, why does bad things happen to good people? Uh, because the obvious thing is like, you know, you are a good, faithful Christian, when you're a good, faithful Christian, why, what's happening to me? Why is this suffering coming to me? God, why aren't you answering me? Uh, But the truth is that, you know, you see the Psalms, you see David crying out, you see Job, you see the scriptures. If you just open up scriptures, you'll be able to tell that you're not the first person right? And there's a reason and a purpose for your suffering. So this morning, I'm here to encourage you, church. You might be going through a specific season, and you might be thinking that the enemy has brought this to me, or the Lord has brought this to me to test me. But whatever it is, I want you to know that you are not alone, and we will get through this. Amen. We will get through this. This too will pass. So to start off with, I want to start with First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 14. First Peter chapter 12, verse 12 through 14. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Dear friends, do not be surprised when you face fiery ordeals. That's that's a lot, okay? And then I want to go on to the next verse, which says, uh, the next passage, which is James chapter 1, verse 2 to 3. James chapter 1, verse 2 to 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Um, there have been seasons in my life where I've gone through certain sufferings and I feel like sometimes Christians can just give you a bunch of Bible verses and think that that's okay. You know, and to me, that's really frustrating because as much as a word does work, I feel like that's just a cop out. You know, they have done their part. They've come and given you a Bible verse and be like, okay, be blessed with that. But that doesn't encourage somebody's soul. You need to follow that up with the actions, but the actions alone does not do anything. Because whatever kind words, whatever encouraging words you have for them, 
The word of God is what is going to transform this person. So when you are in the midst of suffering, as much as you know somebody else is encouraging you, as much as you don't want to be reading the word, you do need to pick this up and say, God, what do you have to tell me? Why do you say that this is my joy? Why do you say, don't be surprised? Why do you say that I need to be rejoicing in my suffering because I do not feel like rejoicing in my suffering? So I was talking to my dad yesterday and I was telling God, I was asking him, he reads a lot of the word. So I do a lot of consulting with him. Uh, so I was asking, what is the difference between suffering and testing? Because they seem almost synonymous, but they are not, right? So what is the difference between suffering? Who does suffering come to? Do you have to be a Christian to be eligible to get this suffering that we talk about? No, suffering comes to everybody. Christian, non-Christian, white, black, brown, yellow, everybody faces suffering. You could be living in the mansion in Los Angeles or living in poverty in South India or somewhere. You know, wherever you are, suffering comes to you. It does not discriminate based on any of the qualifications or your resume. It does not discriminate. But suffering is relative because you know, we as Western American Christians living in America in air conditioned homes and our Wi-Fi services and microwavable dinners, we might think it's suffering to have COVID and be stuck in a house and not being able to go to the state fair, you know, <laughs> but for the people who live somewhere else who are not able to afford a meal, they might consider this to be luxurious. So you can't compare somebody else's suffering. So you might be going through a struggle or a hardship here in America. Is that less than what somebody else is going through in their own situation? It's not. So don't compare one person's suffering to the other person's suffering because it's not as, and don't point out and demean the other person and say, oh, look at that person. He's, his daughter walked away. His child is a wayward child. And don't point out at another person's suffering and mock at them because listen, suffering knocks at everybody's door. So today it could be your child or tomorrow it could be somebody else's or it could, the same problems could come to you. So be faithful, be compassionate, be empathetic, be, be kind and show them grace when somebody is going through suffering. Don't be quick to give them a lot of the pat answers because you know who is a classic example of suffering is the man named Job. Job went through a lot and we'll get into that in a few minutes. But when Job went through suffering, he had a few friends who came around him, but they gave, told him, it's because of your own fault. Maybe you did something wrong and they try to give him some answers. But what God wants you to do is just be there. As a good friend, if your friend is suffering, be there, be available, be available to your person, uh, to the people around you. Be, be aware of who is going through something because friends, there are people who are here who are suffering, you know, publicly who have spoken needs to have told us, Hey, I'm going through this. I'm going through this pain. I need you to pray for me. But there are so many of us here who are suffering in isolation. There's so many of us here who think it's so embarrassing to share about our suffering that what if somebody thinks that I'm not a strong enough Christian? What about them? So you need to be aware, be kind. Every single person has a story. Everybody's going through something and you need to be kind and gracious. So the first point I want to say is suffering in the fellowship of, with Jesus. Suffering in the fellowship with Jesus. Paul says, let me share in the fellowship of suffering with Jesus. So when we talk about suffering, there's a lot of people 
in the Bible, we can use as examples starting from Joseph or Job or Daniel or David. We can talk about everybody else. But I want to camp this morning on the person of Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. A lot of times I feel like when we talk about suffering, when we talk about our problems, when we talk about our seasons of crushing that we go through, we speak from the vantage point of the victory, which is great. And that should be so because we need to know how this story ends. We know that this story ends in victory, but I want to talk about the people who are in the in-between this morning. You know that you're going to have the victory. You know Sunday is coming. You know Jesus died and resurrected. You know that there is a victory in your situation. But right now, as you're going through this season, the pain is so much. The answers are unknown. You have no idea what to do. Should I be worried, God? Should I not be worried? Is this the right doctor to go to? Is this the right uh, school that I need to go to? Is this the right, what should, what needs to happen, God? There's a lot of unknowns. You don't want to be making mistakes and waste your life. So you want to be in the purpose of God, but yet in the, in the, uh, in the, in the search for God's purpose in your suffering, a lot of times we get lost in the details. So I want to talk about the people who are in the in between. Uh, in my Sunday school class, I teach Sunday school for college kids on Thursday nights. So if any of y'all are looking for uh, enrolling your college kids to my Sunday school, just talk to me after church. It's a really good Sunday school. Uh, we are about to get into Mark, uh, the end of Mark, where we talk about the sufferings of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And a lot of times when we, as Pentecostal Christians, I think, we fast forward this passage to the resurrection. We are like, okay, yes, 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 Jesus read all, did all of this. And then we fast forward to the resurrection. But Mark and all of the other gospel writers, they all give a lot of real estate space in the Bible to the sufferings of Jesus. And why is that? Because I want to say that God wants us to know that he is with us. In the beginning of the week, Jesus entered into Jerusalem and there were, he was, he had a big welcome party. He had people roll out the red carpet. They sang Hosanna. They sang praises. They thought he was the coming king. And yet at the end of the week, when he was at the cross, he was by himself. He was all alone. If you are suffering in your isolation, when you feel like everybody else has abandoned you, know that Jesus knows the pain of what it's like to be alone and isolated and abandoned in your suffering. And he does not leave you. My Jesus does not leave you. You might be in quarantine, but my Jesus is not afraid to come into your room. He does not need a PPE mask or equipment to come into your room to speak to you. You might not be able to speak to your family members or anybody else. You might be so far away and feeling so depressed and not knowing, God, how do I get through this? But my God walks into the hospital room. There is no prison door that is too, too, too hard for him to walk through. There is no hospital that's going to prevent him from walking into your room. There is every situation is going to be addressed by Jesus. Whatever problem you're going through, Jesus is there. He will not abandon you. He will meet you in your cemetery. He will meet you in the court when you're fighting out some battles. He will meet you in your unemployment. He will meet you in your barrenness. 
he will meet you when you have unanswered questions and you're you're on your knees. He will meet you with your ground that's wet with your tears. My Jesus knows that he has counted your tears and he will answer you. He is faithful. He is too good and too just to leave you by yourself. So rely on him. So let's look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, because when you fix your eyes on Jesus, everything else does become dim. But when you go through this season, you know, time is a funny thing because even though time is constant, when you're in certain seasons of your life, like, you know, a birth of a child or your wedding and honeymoon, you feel like time is going by so fast and you're like, wow, it's been two years since I've been married. Oh my goodness, I can't, time just flew by. Does time fly by? No, it doesn't. It's a constant, right? Because you have, there's so much excitement happening. But yet when you are suffering, you feel like time is at a standstill. You feel like everything's going super slow, right? Have you been on a roller coaster where you get on it and it's probably just one or two minutes, but those one or two minutes feel like it's the longest one or two minutes because you're like, somebody get me off of this thing. For those of you who don't like roller coasters like me, somebody get me off of this thing. So you have no control, but you have to get through the ride. Amen. Uh, one of my most frustrating parts of my pregnancy was going through the pregnancy. So I've had two live births. Um, and during my pregnancy, I would go to my OB every once a month or whenever they tell me. And they, I would say, I have this horrible cramps on my leg. It feels like Charlie's horses, but it happens every night at the same same time. And it hurts so bad. I scream and wake up everybody in the house. It's not just me. Every other pregnant woman has gone through this. And, or like you feel like the sciatic pain is uh, hitting you. You have the nausea, the morning sickness, just the whole, everything that's in the book, right? Throughout your entire pregnancy. And so I go to my ob and I say, I have these problems. And you're like, it'll all go away once the baby comes. Well, that's not what I want to hear. You know, I know that all of this will go away once the baby comes. I just need to know, how do I get from tonight to tomorrow night without going through the same pain? Because I'm tired of this pain. I need some answers. Can I drink more water? Should I be doing stretches? I don't know. It might be the same answers that I already know, but I need somebody to tell me. I need somebody to remind me, drink more water. Remind me, turn on your left side and sleep. I don't know what it is, but that I feel like some of you need to hear that. You know that the victory is going to come. You know that there is a time that this is going to end, but how do I get from tonight to tomorrow night, knowing that, God, I know my victory is not coming tomorrow, but how do I get through the pain? Because the pain is too deep. The suffering is too deep. And um, when you read about the joy and everything else, you're like, God, I understand all of that. But in the pain of the suffering, it's easy to talk about suffering to a person who's not gone through that. Right From the outside, I can tell you, give you all the best advices and I can say, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. Be, be joyful. Think about Jesus. He will give you the victory. It's easy for me to say that because I'm not in your shoes. 
but you're the person who is going to go back to your house to the struggling marriage. You're the person who is going to go back and try and pay your bill and you have no money in your bank account. You're the person who is going to go back to your reality of your situations and say, God, how do I apply my faith into practice and say, God, I will see you come through. Even though I don't see it in my physical eyes, I know that you are able to provide. I know you are able to make a change in my husband's life. I know you are able to make a change in my wife's life. I know there is going to be a difference in my situation. And Lord, help me with my unbelief. There is a person who came to Jesus and said, God, I want to believe, but help me with my unbelief. How many of you are there this morning? God, help me with my unbelief because it's not that you don't know in your mind. You know it. You know the Bible. You know the scriptures. But sometimes it just takes your heart and you say, God, I know all of this, but you need to work in my heart. You, Holy Spirit, nobody else can help me. God, you need to work in my heart. Help me with my unbelief. So I want to speak with the, the next passage I want to talk about is a suffering test the quality of your faith. Suffering tests the quality of your faith. So first we talked about suffering is, is meant for everybody and your fellowship with Jesus. You look to Jesus in your suffering. He has gone through the agony and the pain and the only person who will meet you in your suffering for sure is Jesus alone. And the second I want to say is that suffering tests the quality of your faith. So if you can read with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I mean, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 through 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Again, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. So you will be tested. Every single one of us is going to be tested for, and don't worry about the test. I think everybody of you, I'm actually some, I, can, I need to speak for myself. I have anxiety when it comes to taking tests, right? Because you're like, oh my God, am I ready for this test? Can I, what if I fail? Well, I do I have to repeat the entire class again. So it might give you anxiety, but listen, the class that you're enrolled in is going to test you only for the material that they covered. So when you get into a period of testing, be confident that you are ready for this. You are ready for this. This is happening to you and it's meant to happen to you, not to break you, but to build you up. What is the purpose of a test that a teacher gives? To know and to understand where's my student at? How far is he developing in his class? What is his understanding and the comprehension of the material like? Do I need to go back and revisit some of the chapters you know, because this is life and life gets hard and the test is different. But if you do fail your test, don't worry because the test will be on repeat and you will get to retake this test. It's an open book test. So it's going to, you will be given the opportunity. But it, what it does, the, the purpose of the testing is to reveal what you're made of. Are you made of gold? Because what happens when you put gold into the fire, it purifies it. And what happens when you put hay in the fire or wood in the fire, it burns up. So what kind of Christian are you? 
how how true is your relationship with the Lord? Is it is it deep enough or is it surface level? Because if you're a surface level Christian, because sometimes when the altar calls are given these days, I think most popular preachers are like, all right, come to Jesus. Everything's going to be set free. There'll be no problems. Your life is going to be smooth sailing, right? But what did Jesus say? Jesus's altar call was this. Come to me, pick up the cross and follow me to the cross. That was Jesus's altar call. Jesus didn't, didn't promise a Rolls Royce or a Cadillac or a mansion. Jesus didn't promise any of that. He said, if you follow me, you will have troubles. He said, you will have pain. You will have persecution. Don't be surprised by it, you know? And so the, it reveals who you are as a Christian. What is really in your heart? What are you made of? And if it, what it does is also that it'll strengthen you. Because when you come out of the testing period, you know now what you're capable of. You know, okay, I'm confident. I've covered this material. But listen to something some, uh, that when you go through the testing and you've passed the test, you go into your next phase of testing, you're required to remember the material you learned and you were tested on previously. You can't just be like, all right, I'm done with the test. My test of faith during the suffering was done. Okay, next test. What do I need to cover? It's the same material. You need to know that. And that's going to be taken to your next test as well. So I want to talk about our classic example with Job. Everybody knows the story of Job, but I'm not, I'm not going to make an assumption. So Job was this person who lived a long, long time ago, pre-Moses, pre-Jesus. And he was a very wealthy, righteous, rich person who had 10 children, lots of property. And everybody thought he was a very honorable, honorable, respectable man. And the devil goes to the presence of God and says, Hey, and God says, what do you, what have you been up to? What's up? And the devil says, nothing much. I'm just, you know, walking around the world. And God says, have you considered Job? Have you met him yet? To me, that, that, you know, blows my mind. Why would God take the best of his best example and throw him at the feet of his enemy? You know, because you don't have a lot of good examples in this world. I mean, out of all the people in this world, Job was the only righteous, blameless person. And you would think God's going to kind of protect him because he doesn't want to lose him too. But God doesn't do that. God introduces Job to the enemy and says, what about him? Have you checked him out? And the devil says, oh, what about him? You have protected him. So he is not going to fall. He's not going to fail because you have cushion coated everything. There's a bubble wrap around his life, right? And God says, okay, take the bubble wrap off. You can do what you want to do, except do not touch his life. God allows Job to go through a testing. But listen, God is not going to go let Job be tested unless he was confident that Job would pass the test. Amen? God is not going to give you a test that he thinks that you're not able to pass. You will pass the test. Be confident getting into this test that that the test is meant for your victory. The enemy might bring whatever stronghold. He might try to wreck your life. He might try to get you on every single angle. He might destroy your peace, your happiness, your wife, your marriage, your property, your finances, your children. Every single thing might be stolen away. But what was Job's result? He stayed faithful. Under the pressure, he said, though he slay me, yet 
I will not forsake him. Though he slay me, yet I will not forsake him. Though he injures me, which is God, though he injures me, he will bandage me. This was Job's faith in God. He didn't have scriptures when he did all of this, you know. We have the privilege to have the entire Bible. We have a cloud of witnesses surrounding us here in church and the Bible throughout history to pull from, to pull from the experiences and their faith and say, okay, this person went through it. I can go through it too. Job didn't have that except his relationship with his God. Job was righteous before the testing came. Before the testing came, Job went to the altar every day, had worship. So he was able to worship through his suffering. So I want to talk about the people who are in between. You might be in the in-between phase. You know victory is going to come because that's what Job believed. Job believed my God will redeem me. I will see him face to face with my own eyes, he said. He knows that. But how do I go through this period right now? And he, he endured, he persevered, he worshiped, he stayed silent. He, whatever was said to him, he said, my God, he did not question what came on him. So that's what I want to encourage you guys. You need to stay, stay, fix your eyes on Jesus and stay faithful because your God and worship, worship through your suffering. And the last point I want to say is suffering produces glory. Suffering produces glory. We looked at the first passage, which says um, in, let me go back. In First Peter chapter four, it says, but rejoice in as much as you participate through the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. I also want to talk about Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 17. So read with me, Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 17 through 18. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Paul says, our light and momentary troubles. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on, on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. Church, this time on earth might be whatever time God gives us. That might be 20 years for now, some 50 years, 60 years, 100 years, 120 years, whatever that is, it's all of our troubles here. It's just temporary. And the suffering that you might be going through is shorter than you expect it to be. I know time is standing still for some of you. I know it seems like there is no answer for some of you. I know you might feel like this roller coaster is never going to end, but it will come to an end. The victory is going to come. You might have a silent Friday and a silent Saturday, but a Sunday is coming where the devil is going to be defeated, where you are going to stand in the victory because he overcame. And so I overcome. But in order to overcome, you need to have suffering. If you don't have something to suffer through, what are you going to have to overcome? So don't cruise control in this life. When suffering comes, know that you will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony. Amen. Uh, I also want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not 
from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, not perplexed, but perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, shut down, but not destroyed. We have this treasure in jars of clay. He is talking about the spirit of God, the anointing that rests in your life. You are not alone. When Jesus left you, he did not leave you alone. He left us with a counselor. He left us with a third person of the Trinity who is going to be with us in season, out of season, in bed, at the darkest hour of the night. He is with us at all times. The Holy Spirit is there. When there is no more groaning is left, when there is no more words that you can say in your prayer. No more tears to cry because you've cried it all. The Holy Spirit is going to groan for you. Spirit of God is going to speak through you and intercede on your behalf to heaven and heaven will open up and see and answer your suffering. It will come to an end because your suffering is going to produce fragrance. Your suffering is going to produce new wine. A rose needs to be crushed to produce the fragrance and grapes need to be crushed to produce new wine. And it is going to build you. It's going to make you stronger. I know it is hard. I know it wrecks your spirit. But stay faithful. Stay strong. You are not alone. And your church is with you. Jesus is with you. The word of God and the cloud of witnesses is around you to take you through, to see you through the other side. So church, I want to leave you with a moment of encouragement. What are you going through this morning? What is the thing that you're not sharing that you're too embarrassed to share? Are you not asking for help from someone? Because listen, when Jesus took the cross, he could not bear the burden of his own cross. This is Jesus who did miracles right before that. He cured all sorts of diseases. He brought Lazarus out from the grave. He calmed the storm. And yet a small wooden cross that he was carrying, he could not carry it by his own human power. And he had to ask for help. Because in his earthly self, because he was doing that in his earthly self and not his divine power, in his earthly self, he had to bear the pain and the burden of the cross. And Jesus asked for help. And who are you? If you need help for your mental health, for anything that you're going through, if you need to see somebody, if you need to talk to a friend, if you need to talk to me, you need to do that. Talk to someone. It's going to help to share the burdens of your suffering. And we will not mock you. We will not comment on anything. We will try to be empathetic. And hopefully this message is going to help everybody nurture that habit. So church, I want you to be encouraged. As we're going to sing this new song, this song about the crushing, which produces new wine. I want you to think about your own suffering, or I want you to think about the suffering that you share in with somebody else. Are you the outside person? Are you the third friend of Job who is standing in his circle? And what is your role like? So you could be the person who is going through the suffering, or you could be this outside friend. Whoever you are, I want you to stand up. And I want you to surrender your suffering to Jesus and say, God, I know there is a purpose for my pain. I know there's a purpose for my friend's pain. I don't understand it. It is meaningless to me, but I know there is meaning. 
you will you're too kind too just and you love me too much to let me go through something without a purpose so god even though i under, i don't understand it with my heart i'm going to love you with all my heart all my soul all my mind and all my strength so i want you to get up church if everybody can stand up on your feet with your hands lifted up to god and you say heaven here i am all my mind all my heart all my soul and all my strength take me break me use me according to your purpose refine me god to how you want me to be so i can be used for somebody else's suffering in the future lord i pray for those of us who are here going through questions through the valleys i know that you are here with me through the valley through when i walk through the waters you're going to be there when i walk through the fire you're going to be there you're not going to abandon me lord but as i'm walking with you lord jesus hold my hand so tight that i know that you are with me provide for my family god provide for the things that i'm not able to take care of because i'm going through this valley right now and i thank you jesus i pray lord for those of us in this church who are going through seasons i specifically pray holy spirit church will you pray with me right now will you lift up your voice right now and pray for those who are suffering in their bodies i pray right now for roshan god i pray master for pradeep lord i pray master for deepa god i pray jesus for everybody else here lord who are waiting to get an answer from you lord jesus i pray master that we will not be depressed we will not lose heart we will not lose our faith we will not lose our faith god in jesus name i pray lord i look to you jesus i look to you jesus heaven open up and come into this moment god i pray oh lord god for spiritual authority over this place lord jesus i pray that there will be something that shifts something that changes right now this morning god i pray master for a breakthrough lord i feel like i'm on my last straw i feel like i'm on my last leg i have no more energy lord i have no more chairs to cry god i pray holy spirit that i will get a breakthrough this morning in jesus name hallelujah